Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, everyone. You have arrived at Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn, and I am here with my dear friend, Dr. Adam Stern. Hi there. And we're going to be chatting all about analysis of fictional people. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Characters on the Couch. I'm Jordana Horn, and I'm here with Dr. Adam Stern. Hello, everybody. I'm here. I'm not chained up anywhere. I'm free to leave at any time. And it's a delight to be with you, Jordana. It sounded a little like you were being coerced to say that, but that's okay. Um, we'll, we'll practice and we'll, I'm sure we'll get a better cut later. In any event, welcome to our discussion of the patient. Now, those of you who are our ardent fans slash married to us know that we've already discussed the patient at the beginning, but now we have the bird's eye view of actually having watched the whole thing. Some of us, I will add, under much stress mm. and pressure. I was not particular. This this show freaked me out, but I'm sure Adam's not freaked out at all because. Um, <laughs> so, Adam, would you mind giving like the overarching right. uh, synopsis, which I know that you're good at for reasons that uh, I'll divulge later in the podcast. Right. But go ahead. All right, folks. So if you haven't watched and you want to watch, now's the point where you pause our podcast watch them, all the shows as fast as you can, then circle back and, and come back and listen to the rest of the podcast because we're gonna I'm going to summarize the entire arc right now. So where we left off here at Characters on the Couch, Sam had chained up his therapist, played by Steve Carell, also known as Dr. Strauss on the show, in the basement, having a compulsion to repeatedly murder. He wanted help with that compulsion. He wanted help to stop him from doing that behavior. Steve Carell's character tried to convey, you know, this isn't the way to do that, Sam. We can work, but not like this. But Sam was obstinate, did not let his therapist go. And that's where we left off. The show did a remarkable job over the course of several multiple episodes of showing Steve Carell in multiple lights. They had the Steve Carell as therapist even on, you know, doing his best to do therapeutic work under the worst possible circumstances. They had Sam, this uh, frankly sociopathic serial killer, you know, so judgy, Adam, (laughs) trying, (laughs) really trying to get better, you know. So there's an element where he very clearly has sociopathic behaviors and very clearly has sociopathic tendencies. And yet, there is a knowledge and awareness that he wants to not be the way he is. So that's pretty unusual, right? I mean, that seems, is it unusual? I mean, am I unfairly writing off sociopaths? So I think that 
probably to some extent, sociopathy, psychopathy, these things exist to some degree on a spectrum. And mm. so you can view it from that lens. You know, truly, a, a you know, a severe case where where someone is way on the end of the spectrum, where there's no doubt that sociopathy is what's going on. He wouldn't have this motivation, right, to seek help to try to stop his behavior, unless it had secondary gain for him. You know, and so that's the that's the caveat. But but the way that they are presenting it, as I mentioned the first time we talked about the show, is it's a complete. He, pre he presents it as though it is the most severe, dangerous, terrible form of OCD, where he has obsessive thoughts, and the only way to make the distressing obsessive thoughts go away is to act out the compulsion. Right, but they don't. But they don't permanently go away. There's no. Right. Even though later on in the show he does come across through a combination of epiphany and mm -hmm. apparently YouTube come across <laughs> the idea that maybe his compulsion will be permanently eradicated if he kills his father, the person whose physically, emotionally, and verbally abusive tendencies slash constant abuse mm -hmm. in his growing up perhaps laid the groundwork for this behavior in the first place. Right, right. So there's no doubt that the, the you know, Sam's sort of realization that this all stems potentially from an, a severely abusive father figure in his life, you know, the, re the, the reader, the, uh, the viewer and Steve Carell are on that from episode one. Like it's, it's clear as day that, that he is uh, very much, you know, his pathos comes from being a victim in childhood and potentially maybe the apple not falling far from the tree in the sense that his father, you know, when he does confront him, is not really remorseful at all. He doesn't really react well with, with Sam. He says, why did you do it? And he says, I don't know. Or how did you feel after you hit me? And, and the father says, I don't know. And uh, not good, I guess. I don't know. And he says, well, why did you do it? And he says, you were a weird kid. You didn't have friends. You didn't play games. You didn't follow the rules. So there were all these signs that the viewer gets let in on, you know, this, this, you're, you're sort of like searching as the viewer and Steve Carell as the psychiatrist looking for a path where Sam can rehabilitate, you know, where he can change. It's just not there. You know, it's just not there. Steve Carell pulls out every trick he can think of. He talks in his mind with this, his former therapist or supervisor who we're told is, is deceased. And, you know, he has these imaginary sessions all the while. What, what I loved about the show throughout all the, however, 10 episodes that there were is that it reveals to the viewer the thing that all psychiatrists, all therapists already know intuitively, which is the therapist is multiple people at the same time. The person that's doing the work, right? Mm. Trying to be an advocate for the patient, trying to help the patient change, live the life that the patient wants. That's the, that's the contract you have with the patient, right? That's how you are ethically. <laughs> when you are in a regular relationship, right. which is consensual right. and paid. And, but so that's the second one that we see, we see Steve Carell go through where sometimes his actions are very clearly to the viewer. All right, this isn't a therapeutic action. He's pretending it is so that he might have an opportunity to call for help. You know, he, he asks Sam to re-engage with his ex-wife and that's clearly a sort of 
it's a very obvious to any viewer example of he's trying to widen the circle of people who who are involved. So maybe someone with a conscience will call the police. You know, he tries to get the mother involved. And of course, now getting to the summary point Mm -hmm. at the very end of the show, he is so desperate to find, you know, he, Sam essentially says, you know, you said it yourself, Dr. Strauss, it's going to take uh, years sometimes to get better. So I'm just going to bring a couch and a TV down here and you'll just continue to be my prisoner for 10 Don't years. Don't forget the little fridge. The little fridge would get you drinks. Yeah. I really uh, feel like you should have sprung for the full size fridge. <laughs> Yeah. And that would that might have made, uh, no, I, I'm sorry. And, anyway. And, and so that's the point at which... Dr. Strauss realizes he's not getting out of there, no matter, despite all of his tricks, all of his best efforts, he's going to have to take a stand. And he says this to Sam. He says, my choice is that I'm ending the therapy. Your choice is to turn yourself in to the police because you will not stop doing this unless you are physically restrained from doing it. Right. And that's a very important moment because he's acknowledging there's something in medicine broad, uh, but in psychiatry too, called futility. The idea that, listen, we can keep doing CPR forever, but there is futility in this because it's not going to bring the patient back. When you identify futility, it is your ethical responsibility in medicine to call it out and to actually stop doing the care. And perhaps... Dr. Strauss should have done this much earlier, but he was struggling for his own life. There's futility there. And he called it out and he said, my choice is to stop. Your choice is to let me go or to kill me, essentially is what he says to Sam. And Sam takes that, walks away with it, doesn't answer the question, doesn't make the choice. So then Steve Carell's character, Dr. Strauss, is forced to essentially take Sam's mother, he tricks Sam's mother into taking a tissue from him, at which point he holds up a a sharpened foot cream, you know, container up to her neck and says, Sam, you're going to call the police or I'm going to hurt your mother, kill your mother. And Sam, in the most telling moment of the whole show, I think, Sam says, you know, Dr. Strauss, I don't think you're the kind of person who would even do that. And I think that's the moment at which it cuts to a scene where Dr. Strauss is well-dressed, well-groomed with his family again. They're, he's, he's lost in space because he's thinking about, I think he has a vision of his late wife in the Holocaust and he snaps out of it and one of his grandchildren says, what were you just thinking about? He says, oh, it was just a nightmare. The grandchild says, was it about the time you were away? So the viewer is thinking, oh my goodness, this is some time jump forward. I wonder how it got there. And he says, I'll tell you about that maybe in about 10 years. And then they go around the table and they're singing. And once the singing starts, that's when it hit me. Something's not right here. This this is too sweet. It's too saccharine. Mm. It's too too much. And then they go up, they pan around the table and you see his supervisor is there. And we know from prior episodes, the supervisor therapist to Steve Carell's character is deceased. So you say, okay, this is a fantasy of some kind. And then trigger warning to everyone listening. It's about to get even more terrible than it has been. We cut to back to present moment of Sam, frankly, strangling Dr. Strauss dead. You know, the viewer watches it happen. It's really an intensely, severely distressing thing to watch. And then it's over and and we see 
do you want to should do you want to do the honors of of the very 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 sort of end that we see? So the very end is that Dr. Strauss's daughter Shoshana is is at the house at Dr. Strauss's house, you know, checking on the mail, doing all these things or we assume it's his it's Dr. Strauss's house and there's a letter to her and her brother Ezra from Sam saying, like, I know it's important to you and your faith to have the body. Like, I put the body in this place so that you'll have it. Um, Your dad really helped me a lot. I mean, you know, and she's sitting there reading the letter and crying, and it was all, and it's really like um, the equivalent of a deathbed confession. Mm -hmm. Like, I made mistakes in my life. I was wrong. I, I'm very sorry for the times that I wronged you and that I misunderstood you. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about it here, blah, 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 blah. And so the children read this letter and they're moved and this and the show ends with Ezra talking to a therapist. Right. But I don't think we've yet told the listener what Sam, how Sam ends his story. Which is yes, that's true. That's, goes, a, that's a very relevant. It's point. an important point. Uh, after sending the letter, <laughs> Sam goes back to that dungeon basement, and he puts the chain on his own leg, and he calls his mother down, and he hands her the key. And you know, before we started recording, Jordan and I discussed just briefly our own interpretations of that scene, and the way I interpret it, frankly, is that he as he did all along the way, took a piece of what Dr. Strauss was trying to convey and took it to heart. And the piece that he took to heart was that he would never stop, that he would continue to put other people in danger unless he was physically restrained. Okay, this show pissed me off so much in so many ways. Um, And so let's start from the beginning. It pissed me off because I really can't watch these, you know, heart-thumping, will-he-or-won't-he, like, terror-filled watching the agony of people. This is not my kind of show Mm -hmm. at all. I appreciate the density. I appreciate appreciate what they're trying to do. It is not for me. That being said, the end, to me, the reason that I got so angry was because the quote-unquote resolution, Mm -hmm. can I, can I, use the F word in this podcast? I guess I can. It's a real F you (laughs) to his mother, to his mother. He's, I mean, this whole thing has been an F you to his mother. Now he's killed someone in her basement Uh in front of her. Right. Uh Like under the pretense of saving your life. I mean, what kind of life is this to be saved? She's harboring a killer in her house. I mean, at this point, she's probably complicit, right? Because she knows about these plans. I I don't know. I don't want to go into that from a legal point of view. What I'm saying is that now making her the jailer, giving her the key, putting her in the position of the twisted person, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, being like confronting her, making it her choice. Like now it's up to you whether or not you call the police. In other words, it's a restaging and a reenactment of the abusive relationship in which she was a part complicit, part Mm -hmm. passive uh, Mm -hmm. participant throughout his childhood. And I'm like, of course, of course, the woman gets the brute of the cruelty. You know, this is like this isn't one of those typical slasher movies where, you know, the hot girl gets cut up, but rather it's the long suffering mother 
who wow. gets extended suffering. Do you so know thanks. that some of the moments I love in, in talking with you are when we see things just totally differently. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, obviously, you know, we, I, I can't not say that like you're a mother and I'm not. And so we have different perspectives no matter what. I did not interpret it like that at all. Like we, we are looking at it so differently. Tell um, me, tell me what you, tell me what your take was. Which is not, you know, I want to be very frank. My opinion about this is just my opinion about this. Uh, as, you know, as someone who's not a mother. No, my opinion is correct. Yours is but, correct yeah. and mine is, is uh, but okay. All right. know, just an opinion. Right. Harvard Medical School. <laughs> no, really. Whatever. Uh, so I, the whole show, I viewed the mother as complicit. I viewed the mother as an unsympathetic character. I viewed the mother as the person, you know, okay, one murder, maybe you help your son get away with. Two murders. Okay, you murders. crack me up, Adam. You know, no. Yeah, well, I didn't realize. I didn't know there was a one murder threshold. Yeah, you know, I no. Let, let me like, just be very two frank. strikes and you're out. <laughs> like I can put up with this once, yeah, okay? To, to but now we've had the discussion, and there I, will be no more murders. I am, I am joking. Like, but I, in the sense that. Are you I'm not joking anyway, let's in go the on. sense that I could have empathy for her in that dilemma of my son is a monster, but I love him, right? I get that. I mean, he seems really lovable. Yeah. He also brings home great food. Let's, rem- let's remember <laughs> that, okay? He's a but restaurant she, inspector and he brings home this like, I mean, he's not limited in his palate, right? The guy is bringing home food from everywhere, yeah. Who's going to cut that off? Yeah. Anyway, go she on. She is not a victim. She has agency that she is choosing not to exercise. What I actually think, when I saw the very end, my chagrin about it was around the idea that she is too much of a shell of a decision maker, a shell of a person to actually decide that she will keep him there uh, even tomorrow, next week, next year, whenever it is that he says, okay, I'm, I, I got to get out. Please let me out. She'll just let him out is what I think. But why do we have more empathy for the serial killer? I mean, I'm reframing a question for those who have not watched this on the granular level that Adam and I have. At one point, Steve Carell slash Alan Strauss asks his deceased therapist and his, he says, why do I have more empathy and more compassion for a serial killer than I do for my own son? And I'm going to flip it around and I'm going to say, why do we, why do you have more empathy for Sam who has done literally nothing to deserve that empathy? Like, I'm sorry, you don't give it, you don't get any brownie points for depositing the body, you know, intact. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Thanks. Like that's actually, um, that that's, that's really even below baseline humanity. So here's what I, you know, yeah. So like why? Because here she, we haven't heard as much about it. Right. But I think we can all safely assume that there was a level of physical, verbal and emotional abuse being waged at her as well. And she's not going around killing people other than herself emotionally, every single day of her life, right? I mean, she's not going around well, but by bringing o- people to the basement. omission, she is, you know, by not... Right, right, by omission, but not yeah. by commission. Right, right, right. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You know, I thought that that line about, and realization, frankly, that he had more empathy for a serial killer than his own son was so intensely powerful. For me, as a psychiatrist it was, and a father, it was because... It highlighted this thing that we in the field that we we all sign up for. We 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 train up and agree that we will treat the patient that comes through the door as our patient. You know, and I'm not referring to a forensic psychiatrist who's tasked with making a formulation about right. Sam. Right. Right. That's different. I'm talking about the patient doctor relationship right. that you say. No matter how morally entangled and complicated and evil this I might or disgusting I might find this patient's actions, my job is to find the empathy within myself to connect with them and help them get better, right? That exists. And that relationship, that contract doesn't exist with the people in your life. In the same way, it should, right? right? You should, you know, when you bring a child into the world, you should have that. But it's, uh, I love that dynamic where he realizes it, and that helps him. You know that that bedside deathbed goodbye letter he writes when he wrote to San Ezra that he he owned up to all these things that he should have done better, that he should have been more understanding. You know, I don't know. When I was watching the whole show, I was I was empathizing with with Steve Carell's character and not Ezra. But frankly, it allowed him to express that empathy that had been lacking, that reaching across to meet your son where he is, you know, as opposed to asking your son to meet you halfway, you know. Uh, so so I thought that was a very powerful thing. Yeah, and and it was. But I'm saying why doesn't that extend to Sam and his mother? I agree. Right. So, so the reason I think it works is as a show, it's the same reason that in Breaking Bad, we're rooting for this guy that's a murder, becomes a murdering psychopath, you know, kingpin drug lord is, is uh, in Walter White. It's the same reason we root in some ways for Tony Soprano. It's the the sh- the medium of, of of television has this profound effect on on and it's not limited to television. It can be movies. It can be it can be literature. When you are given access to someone's inner life and world, 
you identify with them even when parts of their behavior make you feel sick or disgusted or wishing that they were different. The whole notion of an anti-hero, you're, you're rooting for something that's not quite, doesn't want to be, you know, uh, rooted for. And there's something very powerful in that. The sh- what the show does that I think is masterful is, is it leaves us unsatisfied, dissatisfied, uh, you know, with the result because it would have been cheap had Sam recovered, shall we say, and not, and, and, you know, been able to see uh, Dr. Strauss as an outpatient from jail or whatever, like that would have felt wrong after everything they've been through. And it also would have felt wrong if he just let Dr. Strauss go and there had been no repercussions of anything at the end. Yeah. But this, this just annoyed me also because you had the same result as you would have if Steve Carell's character had been allowed to live. It's the same result. Like, so why did one extra person have to die? You're asking why didn't he chain himself before? Yeah. Yeah. I think that in the action, what the, I think that in the action of killing Steve Carell, that was, he said, that was the first person that he had to do it to that he liked, that he didn't want to have to do it to. And I think that was the thing that, that they would that the showrunners would argue pushed him over the edge of that point of needing to restrain himself, of put himself in physical restraints. Because that is a level, you know, we've talked about sociopathy as a spectrum, and you know, he's not all the way at the end of it, that there there are elements where he starts to identify with human emotions. And he wishes he could lean more into that. I think that's the threshold. When he killed Steve Carell, that was the That's point. very interesting to me. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It doesn't make it let more palatable necessarily, but I think artistically No, no, that's I'm generally opposed to people being strangled. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also, I think there's something to be... So I personally, I will admit to a fundamental baseline of ignorance that I had unfairly tarred serial killers with one broad brush that they don't deserve. I had thought that all serial killers were people who worked in the media of chainsaws, knives, you know, body cutting up, blah, 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 like Mm -hmm. brutal, brutal murder. I mean, not that strangling isn't brutal, but I'm saying this was, this was a real eye opener for me. The idea that you could be a serial killer just with your bare hands with no tools That was interesting to me, but also, and I was talking about, I can't get full credit for this idea as my friend brought this up to me and I thought it was very interesting. The inherent intimacy of strangling your victims face to face. I mean, he's not coming from behind, right? Like it's just a very, like looking in a mirror, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like, the real attempt, and I think that this made it clear for me, someone who's not psychologically trained, of you're looking at the parts of yourself and the parts of the world that you hate the most, right? Like Sam explains this uh, recidivist killing as like this weird attempt to find justice in an unjust world, right? Mm-hmm. Someone has spoken to him rudely. Mm-hmm. And this is this is how they pay for for that. But that obviously is rooted in his past 
of abuse, right? Yeah. He's trying to undo the abuse of his past. And so that's where, for me, that's where, for me, that end action sounded an untrue note of um, handing the key to his mother because I felt that that in and of itself was an abusive act. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that if you were going to prescribe the right action as he did, it's to turn himself in. You know, as Steve Carell said, you've got to turn yourself in. And he drives to the police station and he can't get himself to do it. So that tells you he's still limited. He's still, he's not, you know, he's just unable to do it. And I think that, I don't know, the difference for me is, is I don't think I'm finding myself empathetic toward that character more so than the mother. They're all terrible, you know, they're all complicit as I see it. What I do see though is there's a poetry in the fact that Steve Carell, you know, we can talk, by the way, we can, I don't know if, I don't think we want to get off too far into the the uh, sidebar of how the show used Holocaust imagery and and culture inside, you know, uh, that, bother, that bothered me too. Yeah, but, we get, uh, right. There's, uh, but but you know, he cited Victor Frankel's work, Man's Search yes. for Meaning, in the show. And great book, one, two one thumbs up. The, one of the real poetic moments to me is this line, Doctor Strauss. I don't think you're even the kind of person who could do it. And even when pushed to the brink of death, he chooses not to. You know, he could have killed Sam's mother in that moment, and he ch- I assume he chose not to. You know, he would do everything possible, but when the brinksmanship came to it, you know, he he essentially, you know, chose... He wasn't a killer. That that even when forced into the, making that choice of his life or, or someone else's life, Dr. Strauss didn't kill someone. And so... I don't know. I, there's some poetry in that, that it separates Sam and Dr. Strauss at this visceral level of humanity. Yeah, but didn't you feel like at the end, like it's sort of indicted not killing someone as like a sign of weakness? I mean, I, I found that my perspective was twisted throughout. Like when Sam was like, I'm going to go kill my dad. I was like... <laughs> There was a very small part of me, and I probably should not be, <laughs> I probably shouldn't be sharing this on the podcast. There was a very small part of me that was like, all right, you go, girl. Like, Oh, like, well, they do uh, that. The show does know? that several times on purpose. They're getting the viewer to be, to root for, for okay, do it. Let's see. And you, you root it. I don't know about you. I'm root, you're rooting for, you know, there's a moment where Sam, he sets up a video camera during a brunch with, and Sam like sidles up next to Dr. Strauss to look at the screen and you think, do it, you know, do it. I don't know about you. Okay. But, but that's different, right? Like saying kill the serial killer, like. Is different uh, than, I mean, than kill the abusive fa- ex, uh, father. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, but also like, also, you know, the idea that. I'm sort of going along with this weirdo mentality that killing the father will somehow be, you know, Dr. Strauss's get out of jail free card. You know, that was a different direction the show could have gone that might have been, I don't know, it might have been more satisfying or something is forcing Dr. Strauss, a man of a piece and you know like uh, an, a clear non-killer of a person 
to actually, to get his freedom to actually kill the serial killer. They could have pulled that off maybe and been, it would have still been a poignant, sad ending because he was, you know, like, and, and it could have, he could have left that environment in a sad way and never still not had not been able to reconcile with his son and you know like or maybe he would have been able to reconcile with his son i don't know that's another way that the show could have gone i think the way they went was sort of the most it was the most earned from all the all the lead-ups you know all of the breadcrumbs that they left us of, of where the show was going. It was the only way that they could have gone that felt really, truly genuine to me and super disturbing. So disturbing. So by way of background for everyone, we watched the first few episodes for our initial podcast on the show. And then I told Adam, like, uh, sorry, <laughs> like, I know we said we were going to do another one, but I just can't, I can't, I can't watch the show. And then Adam took one for the team and had him watch the whole thing. And then he wrote me the synopsis and then I was able to watch it because then at least I didn't have the feeling of my entire body sort of like clenched in a fist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Instead, I could actually watch it. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word normal, but I could watch it in a more level way where yeah. I could evaluate it um, as a regular show because it did really, I mean, this show, whatever I have to say about it, really did play a lot with the viewer's emotions yeah. and visceral feelings and reactions. And I think that... Adam, what's your takeaway, like, from having watched it as a therapist? Like, what? Yeah. Tell me about how you're feeling now, have, now that it's done. Yeah, so I, I, I think I've said this, and I want to repeat it, that, you know, there, in, in media, there are so many different terrible portrayals of therapy. And one thing that is amazing about this show, to me, is that despite the, frankly, dramatic, outlandish premise. You know, I, I, I was not drawn to the show because I was like, oh, this is going to be sort of a trashy kind of show based on mm -hmm. the premise. Oh, the therapist is locked up in the basement. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a good premise to me. And yet they pull it off really masterfully because they the, the technique that they show, when you can tell when Steve Carell's character is in therapist mode, and when he's in human being, you know, mode, when he's struggling as a, as a person, when he has that mask on of like trying to figure out a way to help Sam, when he has that mask on of trying to figure out a way to help himself while pretending to help Sam, right. all those things that they show, they showed it without telling it, I thought it was just so well, well done, I should say. So, you know, I know a lot of people they have that hesitation about getting into involved in a show if it's going to put therapy in a bad light or if it's not going to be realistic or what have you and you know certainly the element of being chained up and having to being forced to do therapy with someone is over the top but the way that they pull it off i thought was really really well done you know it's on a par i would say with the technique that they showed off in shows like in treatment you know where there's there's real stuff and real concepts that they're getting right. at but by way of this really entertaining emotionally disturbing manner versus a lot of the a lot a lot of uh, what's out there of therapy and i i don't know i liked 
Carell's performance and Dominic's performance are both really good, I thought, because they're both, frankly, actors that we already know. And yet I thought they were able to sink into the roles very, very nicely. Mm-hmm. The payoff was always going to be disturbing. It had to be. You know, it's because it's a disturbing show. So for me, I, for me, it was a very solid, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad they did it. And I'm glad that it's making waves and making people feel uneasy. You know, I think that's what they were going for. Yes. That's what I'm looking for in my television programming to feel a fundamental sense of dread. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the kind of show you watch before bed, you know, that's no, I found that had. out the hard way, Adam. Yeah. It really isn't. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to try to widen our repertoire and find more yeah. before bed shows. Coming up though, on our show, Characters on the Couch, we've got brighter stuff for you. So stick yes. with us, gang. We're, got, we're not just talking murderers and psychopaths this, this season. <laughs> we really aren't, although, although we probably will. To be honest. Yeah. We'll circle back and talk about <laughs> something. Correct. Okay. Thanks so much, Adam. All right. Thank you, Jordana. Good to talk with you. Bye. Same. Bye. Please be advised that Characters on the Couch is a show focused only on fictional people, and none of the content should be considered medical or professional advice in any way. If you or someone you know is struggling with your mental health, please seek out professional consultation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.